the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Getting on my leader right up to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. My name's Mark Isles and I am the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. It's 2024, it's episode 205 and it's another hour of Bolton Wanderers headlines directly into your ear holes. And on the buff this week, it's oh so quiet. Why was the volume turned down against Burton? Cup to no good, should Wanderers be worried about what happens at Luton? Bit steep. Late Norium make sure it's a pricey away day. And open the window, January is here, and the gossip started already. All of this, and we haven't even wished you a happy new year once. They might have thrown the feet a little bit, uh, but Bolton certainly showing this crowd, this Luton crowd, how the ball can be passed around and controlled. And openings hopefully created. Lee. Well, that's Priest winning that one. Lee beats Johnson, gets his cross in. McGinley's unmatched at the back. Pulls this nerve. That goal was coming dead. It's got to be said. That goal was on its way. Bolton Wanderers won. Luton Town nil. 37 minutes gone. John McGinley, the scorer. Now, Oaks, there's no doubt since Oaks came on at half time, David Pleat had done his homework at half time. He's had a quite a decent game, Oaks. Now, Kelly plays the ball forward for McGinley. What a good ball. John McGinley, come on, John. Yeah! John McGinley, what a man, what a ding dong do. Boom to Luton Hill. Never in doubt. That goal was never in doubt from the moment McGinley got that brilliant pass from Tony Kelly. Right, it's time to introduce my co-host and a man who just told me off air that he could beat Luke Lickler at darts with one hand tied behind his back. It's Henry Hewitt. Um, you know, that is definitely a lie, but I've I, I've been told that, you know, my wife's uncle told me on Christmas Day, he had the delight in going, oh, you look like that 16-year-old darts player. I went, oh, do I? I said, how? He said, oh, you've both got, like, beards. <laughs> And I was like, right, okay, so now I need to shave. Thank you. Um, but uh, so who knows? I could be. Have you ever seen me and Luke Littler in the same room? Not once. Not no. even once. Strangely enough. If you want a conspiracy theory, there it is. But this is January transfer window, so there's <laughs> loads of them knocking around. Don't worry about that. Um, yes, I, I, he's done very well, hasn't he? I don't want to make this a darts podcast, but uh, yeah, I've been enjoying watching him. He's suddenly made everybody into a darts expert. You always find that like around Wimbledon time or like Ryder Cup, you get these closet tennis or like these guys that have never watched tennis or golf in their entire lives suddenly sat around having these massive opinions i was sat there last night with people talking about yeah but what double tens his favorite checkout double tens his favorite checkout and oh how did they do the maths so quickly i was it was killing me honestly these these guys that watch darts like once a year yeah it's um you know i i watched the final i i used to watch darts years ago but only on the telly and then i kind of just i don't know i just didn't watch it and this has got me watching it again, but I've got to admit, I am a very definitely a fair weather fan. I probably won't continue watching it. It's one of those sports. It's a bit like NFL for me, where I don't really watch it. I watch the Super Bowl, but I know the rules. 
my wife was kind of half watching it yesterday and uh, and I was kind of telling her different things so it made me it made me feel like I was a darts fan anyway in my yeah. house <laughs> exactly exactly I'm not 100% like I don't watch all the minor tournaments or anything but I know what's roughly going on darts and snooker definitely I could watch them all day great stuff <laughs> anyway back to the game at hand football Bolton Wanderers uh, and, and a festive period we've not done a live podcast for a couple of weeks, so we've kind of missed out on all the all the fun and games, but four wins in a row has felt really, really good. Considering the last time we recorded, there was a little bit of uncertainty in the air, that even the game against Leighton Orient hadn't been brilliant. Now, all of a sudden, it's looking much better. It is, yeah, and I remember, uh, if, yeah, thanks to everyone who listened to our um, end-of-year special mm. episodes. Loads of um, and Yeah, and we even said on there, we said, like, oh, we don't really know what's going to happen. I think... Did we record that before the late? Yeah, we did before the late Orient yeah. game. Yeah. So we were like, uh, this could all, you know, we, we should be fine, but let's just get through the late Orient game and the Fleetwood game. And uh, yeah, we, we got the two wins. Um, oh, sorry, the Lincoln game it was. So we got the, the two wins in then and then two wins after that. So you can't ask for anything more. I, I listened to the, um, the, the uh, not the 72 lads. I think that's uh, the, that um, they're always on the sky and, uh, ITV or whatever, oh, right. um, and they were they were saying that okay, it's, it wasn't the, um, the the hardest opponents with respect to the teams that Bolton played. You look at the likes of Derby and Peterborough and Barnsley, mm. and you know others have played tougher games, but you have to win what's in front of you, and Bolton have done that. No, uh, the other thing is the style of team that they've played, very physically demanding. The Burton, mm. even the games they've got coming up now, I said this to you know, the other day, it's like, what what fixture god have you offended? Because everybody, including <laughs> Luton, who are like sort of like the, the, the supercharged version of a of a direct team, but every every team they've played have been these kind of big bruising, uh, you know, direct teams that there's a bit of football about them. Lincoln, I think I'd accept from that because they, they're not a bad footballing team, but mm. they have a certain way about them and you've got to really stand up, do a lot of defending. Um, and that's what they've done. And, and fair play to Bolton. We, we were the first people to, to kind of point and say, this is the kind of team you're struggling against, but they've proved quite a bit over Christmas that they, they can mix it up. And uh, that is brilliant to see. Um, I, I mean, they go into the new year, the second, just behind Pompey. You're happy with that? It's obviously they've got the game in hand, but you can't you can't fail to be happy. They're on target, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, and and you know it's only minor details, perhaps, that you could ask for an improvement on. Should we our goal difference have, have got a lot better after Monday in particular? Certainly but person, also, yeah, yeah probably. Um, but you know, I think when you look at the other. The other uh, teams around us, I don't think anyone, like, no one's gone and battered someone, so it's not like we've lost ground on that. Um, yeah, I think the only disappointments or slight disappointments is you look at Peterborough scoring in the last minute, we could have done with that being a draw. Mm. Portsmouth, by all accounts, um, Stevenage played very well in the second half, so maybe they could have got an equaliser. And uh, yeah, it's only you, you're only really looking at other teams and how they've done and gone, oh, we could have drawn that and that would have been better. But um, you know, we find us after Saturday anyway, because Portsmouth and Derby are playing, we'll find ourselves with even more games in hand on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should be an interesting weekend one way or another. The one thing I will say about the Burton game, and without question, they should have 
beating them a lot more. They 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 got a lot of shots on goal. A lot of them were kind of from distance or blocked and that kind of thing. But that's because Burton really did defend deep on the day. Um, the the I don't know whether it was the fact it was quite a frustrating game to watch, but. I've had a couple of conversations this week about the atmosphere at the tough sheet and the fact that Burton and, and maybe recently it has dropped off. Now, you're a Bolton fan. You'll have been there in the good times and the bad. What what are your thoughts on that at the moment? Well, I think it's, it's I think there's a lot of factors go into it. Um, you know, I think when you consider that like the best atmospheres this season for me have been Blackpool and Derby, mm. um, Wigan in the first five minutes, um, <laughs> which all all linked together with mm. uh, the fact that we, there was a big away crowd. So I think that has something to do with it. I, for me, I always feel that um, when you look at the the stadium um, and if the corners of the upper tiers are kind of filled in, you know that it's a big attendance. But what I noticed against Burton was that those bits were filled in, but the rest, there were quite a lot of empty seats dotted about in the, mm. the main areas, which tells me that season ticket holders maybe have, have had one too many the night before uh, and thought, well, I'll watch it on iFollow or I won't bother. Um, and there were a lot of walk-ups. So I think that has something to do with it as well. So I think the opposition uh, fans, the, the how many walk-ups we have like whether they evened out with season ticket holders because Blackpool was a big attendance but there were a lot of season ticket holders there and I think that contributes to the atmosphere um, and other than that I, I think it does depend on the opposition and you know Bolton if Bolton had won that 3 or 4 nil, I'm sure the atmosphere would have been a, maybe a bit better if we'd got an early goal but I think it's possibly a similar situation to where Man City are. I think we're very lucky this season that we kind of expect to win. So yeah. with Bolton fans, it's not like you're going into the game. A few years ago, when we'd just come up to League One, I think you go into each game going, we could win this, we could lose it. And the atmosphere was maybe better with probably about 3,000 less fans or two or 3,000. Now you go into every game expecting to win. There's a lot more walk-ups because people are looking and going, Bolton are doing well. I'll go. We'll go watch them. Like I've had some of my mates who are United fans who have got young kids, and they're like, "Well, we want to go and take them to watch Bolton because they're doing well." So I think there's a mixture of a few things. Um, but you know, I think naturally comes to gets to the end of the season. If Bolton are in the same position they are now, the atmosphere will get better because the fans will want to get them over the line. Yeah. No. I, I, it's really well answered. To be honest, I think. The core support of Bolton will always be there, will always be very, very strong, very, very vocal. And it, that's kind of why you see away from home. I mean, atmospheres away from home are always slightly more concentrated anyway. But I think the same fans that do the singing and shouting or, or that lead the singing and shouting in that corner um, are very much the, the ones that go away from home as well. Uh, that's, the, that's the demographic. Um, I don't think it's an easy fix at all. A, a couple of people have asked me this week, you know, is there anything that could be done pre-match? Is you know songs? Is there anything you know historically that could g the crowd up beforehand? Because I think there is a concern that when Bolton really do need the fans this season, and I think that the one that Cheltenham that's coming up might be one of those games that it might be a bit flat, and maybe it has just become a bit too sanguine. 
Now, the football is always going to be the, the, the leader on that. I think if Bolton start well, as you said before, if they get that early goal, suddenly the place is a bit different. Um, when they start easy enough, maybe, or playing slightly more laterally, that is when you can you can hear the groans and the moans and the, and the quiet spells come in. Um, that will always be the main thing for me, but I don't think there is a... I don't think you could just put on... You know, Sweet Caroline before kickoff, and I hate that song, by the way. Please don't do that if you're listening, Bolton. But you, you couldn't put that on, and then suddenly everybody's like, oh, yes, fantastic. It's it's not as easy as that. It's not a quick fix. It has to be organic. Um, it has to be organic, or you play at night when everybody's bevied up. That is the other, the other way, I suppose. Yeah, well, that's a good point about being bevied up, because obviously against Burton on New Year's Day, I, I don't think half as many would have had been to the... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no one would have been to the pub beforehand because they'd have all been drinking the night before. But, like, I think the the song thing is interesting because, you know, like, uh, you know, you go to Fleetwood and they play Electric Dreams and they go to some other grounds that play Sweet Caroline. I think Port Vale, when I went last year, did it. And I think songs like that encourage the away support to sing as well. And it's nice having the full stadium sort of in a joyous mood. But... When you then look at the likes of Sheffield United or Sheffield, uh, yeah, Sheffield Wednesday with High Ho Silver Lightning, or I think Wolves have it as well, actually. They do. Yeah, yeah. That's so, Mr. Blue Sky, isn't it? That one? Yeah. So, I mean, high, I've always thought High Ho Silver Lightning is a great song, and Bolton Wanderers does fit in that. So it's, it's nice when we go to grounds that do that and you can sing along to it. But you need a song that is sort of, it can only be sang by Bolton fans, like that chip. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that Chip Butty song at Sheffield United, it gets everyone singing. Forest have one as well. And it's unique to Bolton. That's what you need to find, that line of something that's unique to Bolton where the fans can sing it going into, you know, and, and keep singing after kickoff, but isn't a song like Sweet Caroline that's going to get the away fans singing as well. So I just don't think Bolton have one of those. We've kind of had, had songs in the past like Amarillo, um, that... That song, I can't remember what it was called, but that song uh, when we first went to the Reebok. Oh, Campione. Uh, the, uh, well, there's that one, but also it was The Wanderers, that one. Oh, right, the yeah, Wander yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So maybe that one comes back, but then it's not really a, a chanting song. No. So, yeah, I mean, those in charge have got obviously a job to do. But I think, like I said, I think it'll get better towards the end of the season anyway. I think it will, and, and they've tried it. They've tried. They've tried to graft a song on there. They tried the the Burden Aces thing that the Jade Assembly did, which is a song that people sing, but they didn't appreciate the version of it for some reason, and that obviously didn't catch on. Then they had the guy that came in and actually did a bespoke piece of music, which mm. I think it lasted about three weeks, didn't it? It completely died a death. They've they've changed a couple of things. I've noticed they put a bit of ACDC on now before before kickoff, yeah. possibly in a in a. Uh, an attempt to kind of ape what Port Vale did earlier in the season because a lot of their pre-match music is very uh, Led Zeppelin based and, and, and you know, obviously their their local links to all the the rock gods and all that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I, I don't think it's something you can just flick a switch on. It has to be organic. It has. To, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I really would. It's definitely one of my. It's one of my things, isn't it? I love pre-match music. I love. I, I just generally like talking about music. Um, so I, I'm I'm very interested to know whether or not you think the music has got anything to do with it, or whether there are any more theories on how the the atmosphere can be increased. Um, it feels a long time ago since they introduced the singing section. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's. I mean, they've tried all sorts. The 
Yeah, I mean, it's the thing is, for a generation of fans, well, a, quite a few generations of fans, it's never going to be Burnden. But I'm sure Burnden had the quiet moments. Like, when you see that in Division 4, they were getting 4,000 fans. <laughs> and that's the problem, is that you, you introduce these things, and when you've got 25,000 in the stadium, it looks great, and everyone's singing. But then counteract that with when you're playing in the Papa, uh, sorry, the Bristol Street Motors, there's a thousand people there and they're blasting out high ho silver line and it's one man and his dog going, Bolton Wanderers. <laughs> uh, it doesn't have the same appeal, does it? No, it doesn't. And also, and I hate to bang this drum, um, well, literally, because people have actually said that banging the drum might help as well. Not too sure about that. Um, but the the sound system at the, at the stadium is, is really very average. It's very, very mm. average. It doesn't sound great from where I'm sat. Whether or not it's the same all the way around the ground again, let me know. But I know a lot of people do complain about it. Until you've got something that does really drive up the volume, It's you can't even do it artificially. So it's, it's very, very difficult. Very, very difficult. But it is a really interesting topic that I'm going to uh, kind of have a look at over the next couple of days. Um, so, yes, it's been a week where the players have had a couple of days off. Uh, they've been in a bit of time to recharge the batteries for what is a really, really big week now with, uh, with Luton, obviously, on Sunday in the FA Cup, followed by Accrington on the Wednesday night in the Bristol Street Trophy, Bristol Street Trophy Motors. <laughs> and then we've got uh, Cheltenham at home the following Saturday, three very, very, well, they're very different games uh, in, in some respects from Premier League to League Two, but all very direct teams. They, they deserve a couple of days rest, don't they? They do. And, you know, I mean, we've had, well, we haven't really had a conversation, but it is a, a conversation amongst uh, football fans of, oh, they need to be they're getting paid X amount a, a week or X amount a year and we need to be working every day. And what do you mean have a rest? They only turn up on a Saturday and all of that. But no, genuinely, I think... The, the Christmas period, um, and I noticed the Premier League, their Christmas period has now gone to like two games now. Yeah. So uh, it is really just the EFL, which I quite like. And I'm sure players might look at it differently. The manager might look at it differently. I know Big Sam always said that there were too many games, but I think um, it is it's part of English football. And at a time where they're trying to take that tradition maybe away from from English football, it's nice that you, you get that and you get the four games. But um, it also means that the players have to rest at the end of it. And, you know, I'm, I'm as nice as playing a Premier League side away is in the FA Cup, could Bolton have done with playing, I don't know, one of a, a, a League Two side at home? Okay, it's not glamorous, but then you can rest a few of the, the big hitters uh, and then maybe get that bigger draw in the fourth round. Who knows? Well, that... That's a bit, I mean, we'll talk about the losing game specifically later on, but I think just in general, the tradition of the FA Cup has always been a big thing since I've ever covered Bolton. Whenever you open your mouth about the FA Cup, obviously they've won it four times. Um, not too many people around that can remember them winning the FA Cup, uh, but obviously the recent memories have all been the giant killings, the Riyak era, etc. So there's always been that kinship there with the, with the competition. I think there always will be. And... Um, and I, I, I like to see them get a run. We, we said at the start of the season, it would be nice to get a cup run. They've got that now. I know it's a slightly awkward situation because they're going at three three different fronts and the league is very much the, the main thing. But I, I do think it's a box to be ticked for Bolton to go at this game against Luton and to, to give it some. Not to change out, uh, leave that to Luton because I imagine that Luton will swap their, swap their team. But this is something that 
that Bolton probably owe their fans a big result in an FA Cup against a big, you know, a big team, a Premier League team. No matter how you slice it, Luton are a Premier League team. Um, so, you know, this this for me is is a is a box waiting to be ticked this weekend. Yeah, and I think it's a winnable game as well. And it's uh, you know, it is a shame that you look at them lot up the road and they got the Man United hmm. draw, and which Tell I think. They, they... Try again Ooh. in a few seconds. Yeah, well, I mean, Google. When you med- when you mentioned Wigan, the Google Nest that I've got suddenly just blaring away to, to, to the side of me <laughs> said something went wrong. How straight? I'm keeping that in. I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm sorry uh, to everyone out there. The uh, the Wigan trigger has just gone off. <laughs> the Wigan but, um, alarm's gone off. Go on, carry on. Or maybe Google is a Wigan fan and it's gone. Something's gone wrong because I claim that they are lucky for getting a Man United draw. I've just unplugged it just in case, though. I think I'll throw it through the window if it gets proven. But go on. <laughs> well, yeah, it's you know they've had a, re- a similar recent history to us. They didn't go as, as down to League Two, but they've obviously been in uh, the sort of financial situations and. They come out of it with a, a Man United draw at home, and we get Luton. Probably will the well, Bournemouth have the lowest attendance, don't they? But second lowest attendance in the Premier League away, which is, and actually, ironically, possibly could have had more fans if we'd played it at home. So, uh, in terms of money making, it's not quite there. But um, yeah, it's uh, you know, I think you're right. I think Luton obviously have got bigger fish to fry, and uh, they'll adjust their squads accordingly it's it's probably a good draw for for Bolton because you know a barring getting battered which I don't I, I don't think we will I think if we'd have played a, a team that was more free-flowing possibly played like ourselves then we could have been battered uh like Aston Villa last year but Luton play a different style of football I don't, I don't think they are going to do so it's a it's a good it's a good marker. I, I said this when we played Middlesbrough early in the season. I know they have a championship, but it's a good marker for where we're at because if we're going to progress up the leagues, you want to be facing these teams and seeing, you know, how you do and how players do. And, um, you know, we'll get onto the transfer window at, at, later on. But there's a few players that I'm sure fancy the chances at, at playing at a higher level. So it's a good opportunity for them. Yeah, I'm just thinking all this talk about uh, bigger fish to fry and getting battered. There's a podcast title in there somewhere, Henry. But anyway, mm. um, you've, you've got to always be thinking in this game. You can't just, just talk. You've always got to be thinking. Oh, um, yeah, so anyway, let, talking about uh, thinking, let's think about some headlines that have been in the Bolton News this week. It's headlines. <laughs> Seamless, Henry. Seamless. Of course. And seamless it is for me to mention the transfer window. Players perhaps uh, looking to uh, move to higher divisions. And the first headline should be Dion Charles. <laughs> um, it's as if we don't just throw this together. Well, um, we do. To be yeah, that's true. <laughs> but um, Dion Charles, uh, lots of rumours going about that uh, I think Swansea and Hull are interested and he's been rated at five million pounds um first of all can you tell us anything in this and second of all five million pounds for a player who's playing at the the highest level he's ever played at, at the moment um is that a, a should we be looking at that amount for him 
Somebody gives me £5 million for Dion Charles, I will drive him to whichever club he needs to go to um, and wish him extremely well because that would be a, a life-changing move for him. Um, I don't think £5 million is, is realistic for a League One striker personally at, at Dion's age and, and he's got plenty of football left in him, uh, but he's 28. Uh, I just cannot see that that price tag being realised. Obviously, if someone were to bid that sort of money, no matter who it would be, it would be something to make Bolton not only think, but I think they'd do business, um, provided Dion wanted to move on, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, we know people are watching Dion Charles. We know he's scored so many goals. It's impossible to think that, that there won't be championship clubs, other clubs, any clubs, looking at him and, and just running their eye over him. Um, and, and every once in a while, one of these names kind of creeps out it it doesn't mean that they're impending bids at all it just means that they've been sat there watching him so at the minute as far as i'm aware there's nothing you know that needs to be worried about for for bolton if a bid came in obviously they start thinking about it and we start talking about what's a realistic price for dion charles um how replaceable is dion charles i i think he'd be tough to replace because goal scorers at this level are not easy to find um you know, Bolton have done a really good job with Dion and, and turned into a much better player. He's he's now a, a bona fide you know, Northern Ireland international. He's had twenty goals um two of the last three seasons and and he's certainly on course to do it again this season. I think you can see improvement in his game. He's enjoying himself, he's enjoying the style of football, the fans love him. There's loads going for Dion Giles right at this minute. His stock is extremely high. That is when you know, certainly as a striker, people start talking about you as far as transfers are concerned. And so this is going to be January. I can see several different clubs coming, being mentioned at least with him. Um, but can I see £5 million from him? I, I really can't. I really can't. And even, even and I know you're, you're a bona fide member of the Dion Charles fan club, Henry. If somebody comes in with £5 million, you could probably buy two players and still have change that would walk into Bolton's team. Is that fair? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'd love to see Dion Charles to stay, but you're, you're totally right. You, somebody offers five million. Remember, last January, we sold Dapo Afalayan, who had, similar to Dion Charles, had never played higher than League One, and we got, high, what was it, half a million for him? So so the German reports say, I'm, I'm thinking there may be a bit more in it, but hey. Well, uh, let's call it let's call it seven hundred and fifty grand. Then. Why not? But um, yeah, let's. Um, I, 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 yeah, it's Dion Charles is. We've got to remember, right? So Dion Charles is enjoying his football. He loves playing for Bolton. His wife has said so in an Instagram story a few months ago. Um, he has his moments where he gets frustrated, and I'm, I'm sure he's like last year when fans are getting on his back for not scoring. He's like, well, hang on a minute, I do a lot more, but. He's enjoying where he is, but if if Dion Charles gets an offer from the Championship on more money, he's gonna go. You yeah. know that's a fact. I don't think in in George Thomason wanting to stay, I'd be very surprised if Dion stayed. I'd love it if he stayed and showed commitment, but I think he'd go. But then you've got to look and think. Well, for for Dion, chances are we are going to be in the Championship next year. We'd like to think so. So Dion will be in the Championship next year playing against the likes of Swansea, maybe not Hull because they're in the playoffs, but Swansea. So um, would 
would their style of football suit him more than ours? Is he better going up to the championship and like Gary Medine, where he then can have a great uh, first few months, score a few goals, and then get a, an even bigger move to a club like a Cardiff at the time who were, who were just wanting to get over the line into the Premier League? So there's a lot of factors in it. Five million, considering we bought him for 350 grand two years ago, I, I'm with you on that one. I think that's, I, I'd probably be saying we've, we've probably look at half at that if we're lucky mm. for Dion but um you know he's one of the better players in this league and he suits to be fair to him he does suit a lot of teams that play similar to Bolton or want to do because he's he just doesn't give up he doesn't rest he's constantly pressuring the defense and he must be a nightmare to play against so um it doesn't surprise me clubs are looking at him but I I don't know I've I, I've seen especially at his age I've seen two I've seen too many players who make that move and it doesn't work out and they find themselves a year later back where they were, mm. not necessarily at Bolton, but in the same league. So obviously you look at the financial thing and, and that could be an issue, you know, that could, he could move because of that. But I think on a purely footballing level, I, I don't know, I don't see, I, don't, I think it's better for him staying here with Ian Everett. On a football level, I totally agree with you. I think that Dion Charles... I'll stick my neck out. I think Dion Charles will stay with Bolton in January. Um, I, I genuinely do. I don't think he's pushing for a move. I don't. I, I can completely understand that this, this club's looking at him. But I have a strong suspicion that any big, any big decision that Dion Charles or Bolton Wanderers have got to make will have to wait until the summer and the outcome of whether Bolton go up or whether Bolton don't. That's my gut feeling at the minute. Feel throw to feel sorry, feel feel free to throw it mm. back in my face when Dion disappears next week to Cyberhall. But um I don't think that's gonna happen. Uh give me another headline. Um well I mean sorry, just a note on Hull. I, I think it would come on, you'd rather live in Bolton than Hull, let's face it. Uh, they've got a really big aquarium. They have, but I mean Hull is one letter away from hell. That's all I'll say. Um, a player linked with Bolton. Now, this is this is uh, an interesting one because it's actually in Dion's position. Joe Taylor, a striker who would come on loan from Luton and take this weekend's match out of it. We do have good links to Luton. He was at Colchester and they recalled him. Um, this is gathered pace this week. How likely do you think this is? Um, I, I've got to be honest with you. If you'd have asked me a week ago, I probably would have said unlikely. But it makes me think that maybe they've had second thoughts on whether Lundaloo's going to get back by the end of this season, which up to last week, I think there was a, a bit of positivity around that he was going to get back and be usable before the end of the season. Perhaps now they've had a look and think, well, we've only got limited cover there is also the very slight possibility, of course, that Dion Charles um, could move on. So uh, maybe if I, I say if they want him, then of the clubs that have been linked with him, I think Bolton get him because Ian Everett's got a great relationship with Rob Edwards. He knows exactly what he's going to get from him. Um, Taylor, little fella, uh, five foot seven, in fact, probably different to anything that Bolton have got, really. Uh, uh, Dion Charles-ish. But he's, uh, he's, he's got a good pedigree, scored goals at League 2 level, 12 in 27 games, I think, for Colchester this season. Um, but he was also, he thought he'd scored in the playoff final back in May. So he's, he's definitely got pedigree. 
Um, somebody said to me on Twitter actually yesterday that if he was six foot, then he'd be playing for Luton in the Premier League right now, which I think is a fair point. I think maybe that's the only thing that's counting against him. But he clearly knows where the goal is, and he's one of those that your old mate Darren McAntony signed at Peterborough as well in his uh, slightly slightly younger days. He was playing non-league football at Kings Lynn, so. Peterborough have always had an eye for a striker with goals in them at, at this sort of level, and and I think he would be very interesting. I think he's certainly not one of those that sometimes you see these links crop up, and you think, nah, definitely no. This one is one that I thought, yep, I can see that happening. Yeah, he's um, you know he's only twenty one as well, so he's he's got time on his side, and I, it's surprising really because I don't know if you, if you think about. Um, yeah, like you said, he he played in the play the championship playoff final last year, and then goes on loan to Colchester in League Two. I don't know whether there's links between Luton and Colchester, but that seemed surely teams higher up the ladder, um, you know, would have would have come in for him. Um, but this this could be one like you know we we've seen it before with Bolton. You know, if it's not quite worked out at Peterborough, not quite worked out at Luton, but there's a player in there, and you know, I think. Ian Everett made the point uh, last week, didn't he, when uh, he said that they tend to take players from lower and develop them. And I know technically he'd be coming from above, but if you think he's played the most games for Colchester, I think technically you could argue that he is a, a League Two player. Uh, he could fit in Bolton's in what they're trying to do. And also, uh, you know, if Luton are staying in the Premier League, they're probably not going to have Joe Taylor around. So it could be one of these loan to buy situations. So yeah, it's an interesting one. It is, it is funny when you you look at the other clubs linked, and I think you're looking at like the Oxfords and the Wickhams of this world. And you sometimes you look and, and see Bolton's name there, and you're like, well, why are we going for this guy? Like, is if if that's our competition? But um, you know, it's happened a few times, and, and Bolton have got these players, and it has worked out. So it's this sort of strategic thinking, I, I think, and. If it does happen, then great. Everyone loves when we sign a striker. It's exciting. Can't see a five foot seven striker fitting in Wickham's plans, if I'm being brutally honest. But hey, <laughs> uh, let's have another headline. Uh, well, a, a player, the forgotten man of Bolton. And, you know, we've been doing this podcast for a few years now, and it seemed that every window he gets a mention. Declan John has been out the door uh, for the last few months playing for Salford, which I'll be honest, considering that. Salford City are pretty much on my doorstep. I forgot. I really forgot he'd gone there. Um, they're not doing very well at the moment. They've not got a manager. Um, and Ian Everett's been talking about Declan's future, hasn't he, this week? Yeah, I think it's no great secret, obviously, that Declan John's been made available this window and that he's got six months left to run on his contract. I think if Salford were to want to keep him, and to extend that now to the end of the season, that Bolton are, are all ears. The only problem being, of course, that Salford have lost their manager. Well, not lost him. They, they booted him out the door. Yet another one. Um, Neil Wood left the building. And so some reliable reporters tell me that Ryan Giggs might be the next one through the door, which would be very interesting. So, 
yeah, I think Declan's probably going to have to wait until that managerial situation is mopped up. They've got a couple of people behind the scenes. I think Chris Casper's one of them that uh, deals with transfers, so it's not impossible that it gets done before a manager's appointed, but potentially they'd have to have a look at budgets and all that kind of stuff. I think, he, 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 he by the sounds of things, he's been playing okay for Salford. Salford haven't been particularly brilliant this season. I think they're down towards the bottom end of the division. Um, but I think from the reports... I've seen he's been he's been reasonable for them. He's definitely can play at that level. There's no question about that. So I would imagine Salford are the favourites. But there is a, a scenario, and I said this to you never this week, that he hasn't got a lot of players at his disposal at the minute. With you know, Ayodale was injured. We've got uh, a couple of the lads, Geth and and uh, Mendes Gomez, are out obviously on international duty. Would you bring Declan John back in for the next few weeks until the very end of this window? And it was kind of unlikely. It seemed unlikely that he was going to make any sort of dent on the first team. So I think more than likely we see Declan turn around another deal quite quickly. Yeah, and obviously if he, he does play for Bolton, he, I guess he won't be able to play for anyone else, will he, this season? So uh, Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think we've seen the, the end. At best, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I think we've seen the, the last of Declan at Bolton. And I mean, you know... It, he, he played very well in in that in his first half of season. He was here. We got promoted. He played well in the second season. He he played in the uh, Plymouth final last year and did well. But it's all been little sort of pockets, you know. Yeah. Since that first season, he's been pockets have been playing well. I know Ian Everett has kind of said before that his attitude maybe is not what he's after. And I think as soon as somebody questions someone's attitude, yeah, he's pretty apparent that they're going to be out the door so um you know Declan John is a good player I haven't seen him for Salford so I don't know whether he fits in their team um or, or what but you've got a question if we're going to get to the championship is Declan John a championship player probably not so he just falls in that category of, of maybe players we've outgrown a little bit excellent stuff let's move on uh, so Will Forrester played um, the other day. He, he's um, he's been kind. Of, he's been in and out, hasn't he, over yeah. Christmas because of um, Santos not playing and then coming back in, and uh, then now Jones is out. He's not here, so Forrester probably play the next few games. Um, and I, he was quite honest in his interview after the game on Monday, wasn't he? And he said that he's had to bite his tongue, but he's he's he understands squad rotation, uh, which I thought was was quite refreshing really because normally you get these players who just say oh no it's, it's the managers whatever which he did say that but he also just that little just that little tidbit of yeah that's to bite my tongue <laughs> yeah i mean no player worth their salt likes being out the team particularly if he feels he's been playing decent football and it kind of reminds me a little bit of will Ameson's situation last season where he had that lovely like run of form and, and clean sheets and but you knew what was coming at the end of it that the, the settled back three was going to be re-established. And Will Forrest has been unlucky, I think. I think he really has. He's played He's played very well. I haven't seen many weaknesses in his game or certainly not many performances where you think he hasn't played well. Um, he is still young. He is still developing. Whether you consider, you know, that he would be a championship player or they're developing to to succeed Gethin or or whoever um then then potentially i suppose maybe he does have to bide his time a little bit but i think he has been unlucky if i was will forrester i'd, I'd really have a sore tongue 
<laughs> in terms of yeah. in terms of dropping out the team. And I know the fans have stuck up for him as well. I think that a lot of the fans would have liked to have seen him um, stay in the team at times. But look, this is the the decision a manager's got to make. Gethin Jones has has decided that he wants to take his shot at international football. That leaves the door open for Will Forrester now to really stake a claim. And, you know, the next story we, story we write will be, should it be Gethin who's come back with a, an Asian Cup winner's medal? Uh, or should it be Will Forrester who's, who's helped Bolton top the table, hopefully? Yeah, it's a funny one with him, isn't it? Because... Um... Uh, he's in a position that I guess the defence and the goalkeepers where um, you don't really change about during the match. No. You know, you think of strikers, then you know that Bodvarsson and Adibi Asia are probably going to play similar amount of minutes and be swapped around. And, you know, around that 65, 70 minute mark, there's one's going to come off for the other. Whereas with defence, you, you don't tend to change the defence. So Forrester, it's not like he's coming on at least playing 20 minutes here and there. He's, he's, when he's on the bench, he doesn't get on. Um, I think you're right. I think he is, because he's a young lad, I, I think he will get his spot and he will become a Bolton, uh, you know, a regular starter. But, you know, it's I like the back three we've got at the moment. I think they work well together and I think they work well going forward in what we're trying to do. But, if you think about it, all of those three, whether it be Jones, Santos or Toll, they, they don't really play 46 matches a season. Mm. They either got suspensions or injuries. or So Forrester will probably end up playing a good 25, 30 matches um, just by coming in and, and, you know, fitting in. So he will get that time. But I, I just hope that, because I can see Forrester, he's someone who probably would fit the championship a bit more. Mm. So if we go up, then he's, we, we do need him. And I'd, I'd hate for him to end up leaving because he isn't getting that opportunity. It's a good bit of business again, you've got to say, for the for the money they paid for him. Uh, next headline, if you will. Uh, well, we mentioned it there. Geffen Jones is, uh, is, is currently with Australia trying to win the Asia Cup. We saw pictures of him get, you know, getting to the hotel. Um, the other the other week, I mean, what a great situation he's in. He's not had to play in any meaningless friendlies or warm up matches or whatever or qualifiers. He's just gone straight into the squad. Um, he's he's been talking about it because he he was always this will he play for Wales, will he play for Australia kind of thing with him, and he's he's explained his decision, hasn't he? Yeah, he has, and he got a bit of grief for it at one stage, which is uh, part of the course. Um, yeah, I think he played right the way through the system for Wales. Obviously, he was born in Australia, and I think it's something. I, it, it felt from speaking to him that maybe his mum had said, "Did you? Would you like to play for Australia?" Do you, it was something he's spoken to his mum, who obviously passed away um, quite recently, and, and I think it was something he felt maybe the emotional tie there, maybe something he wanted to do in that respect, and and fair play to him because, again, you know, he's he's in his his later twenties now. You're not going to get too many chances to play international football in your career, and if if he can do that, then I think you you can't possibly stand in his way or begrudge him, even though it comes at an awkward time for Bolton. Um, he does get to play in a meaningless friendly theoretically. I think they've got a game against Bahrain on. I think it falls on Saturday night. As far as I, I, I don't know whether I'll be staying up to watch it. If it might be might be streamed on YouTube somewhere, maybe I'll. Maybe I'll have a look, but um, 
like you say, to walk into a major competition with a chance of winning it. There, there's some decent teams, you know, Saudi Arabia are there, uh, Japan, South Korea are there, but the, Australia are among the top teams in that uh, competition. To be able to go in there and to be able to stake your claim to be a, a regular international and live that life, I, I take my cap off to him. He deserves it. He's done a lot for Bolton and I think it's uh, it's good it's good news for the club. Yeah, of course. It's it's only it's like Mendes Gomez, you know, it's it's good promotion for the club. It's uh you'd think that they both do okay within their teams. Um so yeah, so I think it's 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 great and it's great for Geffen Jones and I think you're right and it's I think especially at, at the level Bolton are at at the moment, you know, these players have got to take whatever opportunities they can get, whether that be um, you know, in, in we spoke about Dion before about earning the best contracts you can get or whether it's in Geffen's situation. And, you know, he's, he's clearly, I'm sure he would have played for Wales given the opportunity, but he's not come about and he's been offered this, this chance with Australia to play in a, a major competition for them, which, you know, there's not many Bolton players have had that chance, especially in the last 10, 15 years. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I don't blame him. I think it's great. And, and to be honest, if I was a footballer, I'd be looking. I'd be doing one of them uh, ancestry uh, <laughs> DNA tests to see if I've got any links to any other countries. If I wasn't playing for England, which just no doubt I wouldn't. FYI, uh, my my mum was born in Singapore um, and lived in Malaysia, so I could get a passport. If any, if the international selection committee are listening, then I am available, no problem whatsoever, and I will play friendlies. I don't care. Imagine if imagine if Geffen Jones turned up to Asian the Asian Cup and saw you facing it. I think he'd fancy himself on the overlap. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, right, let's move on. Uh, so we can't mention Geffen Jones without mentioning Jack Iredale in the in the Australia uh, chat, and mm. yeah, Jack Iredale isn't going to the Asia Cup, um, but he has he has picked up a bit of, a bit of a knock. Do you think he'll be back for weekend, or are we looking more at the Cheltenham game? I think you're probably looking more at the the Accrington Cheltenham game. Whether they risk him for Luton, I'm not too sure. Um, but he he certainly, thankfully, it was a, when when I heard that it was a knee injury, I thought, oh god, especially because it's the same knee that he injured last January. Um, obviously, he has got a back catalogue of knee injuries, but this this was the different knee um, and when there was some swelling there and they'd taken to scans, all that sort of stuff. You couldn't help but be a bit worried for him, but thankfully it looks like he's been given the all clear, everything is okay. Um, so fingers crossed that he will be able to be eased back in and not take too many risks with him. I don't know whether or not he comes straight in against Luton because my my thoughts are that he doesn't change too much about the team that played against Burton, against Luton, if you know what I mean. It's, it's roughly mm. the same roughly the same lineup but um it's good to see that jack isn't out for any sort of time because then we do start worrying a little bit with the lack of defensive cover yeah he's um you know he's he's a good player he's a good player at his level i know he's had his ups and downs this season and um you know and uh but i think he had something different on the whether it be inside as as part of the free or whether it's on the the wings um that's you know, a goal threat as well i, I think yeah. He's one of the best attackers of the ball in, in the penalty area that Bolton have got. Yeah, he's scored a few, hasn't he, this season? And, uh, you know, you look at the, the if Luton's too soon, but then you look at Accrington's season, more narrow pitch of the likes of 
Williams or Dacus Cogley are going to get as much space uh, on that pitch than they would at the tough sheet? Probably not. So maybe he fits that a bit better and we change our style of play slightly. But either way, I think, uh, yeah, you especially with Geffen Jones away, you, you are looking, you need the defenders in as, as cover. And, you know, uh, Jack Iredale is, is someone that can... He's, he can play across the back, really. Maybe not on the other on the other wing, but definitely in, across the back to help us in multiple positions. Um, and finally, with the headlines, it's uh, the tickets are on um, are on sale for Leighton Orient. We we seem to be t- we always talk about tickets, whether it be uh, priority systems they need to bring in or price or whatever. So if you remember back in December, it was our community game. So Bolton were charging ten pound for adults in that game and that went to Leighton Orient fans as well. They've returned the favour by charging £29 for adults, which has gone down like a lead balloon. Mm. Um, for me, Bolton charged similar prices. So you could you could argue, well, is it just a going rate? Whether you agree with £29 to watch League One football or not, is it kind of the going rate? It is in London. But then again, you're watching the match at the tough sheet compared to Brisbane Road. So... Uh, what do you think on this? I, I genuinely think £29 is too much for a ticket um, in an away end, personally. Um, but I accept there are financial restrictions and, and obligations that clubs have got, so they've got to kind of make the money where they can get. Um, it is not an easy situation. I did suggest on Twitter a salary cap, um, and a few people have, have shook their head at that one. A salary cap, a, a, a cap on the prices, like the twenties, plenty type of thing. I think they can get away with that at Premier League level, obviously, but it's it's harder to do as it comes further down. Um, yeah, I mean, it it does feel a bit rich, given that there was the ten pounds. I, I think they've knocked off a couple of quid for NHS staff or something like that, which um, maybe is their little concession. Life is slightly more expensive in that London. Um, but I've been to Brisbane Road before and I'm going to call it Brisbane Road because I forgot what the sponsor's called now, but it certainly doesn't feel like a £30 stadium. Um, it, it feels slightly <laughs> less glamorous than that. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't, know what the, I don't know what the answer is, but I do feel like the, the only losers here are the people that do go away from home and travel to, to watch their club. It really does feel like they get get exploited a little bit and I've had a couple of conversations this week with supporters who envisaged the problems that were going to be getting tickets at Leighton Orient and obviously at Luton as well and it definitely does warrant a little bit more inspection I think the way that tickets are distributed it's going to help when Bolton go up and there's bigger allocations and bigger stadiums I, I get that um, but I think some of the things that are going on now, are, uh, they don't, you know, it, it doesn't really doesn't really sit well with me. What's being charged, how tickets are move, being moved around, how they're allocated, the, the membership scheme. It's all it it all um, it, it doesn't feel too well thought out. If you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. It's. I, I mean, I wouldn't have been going to the match anyway. But is it? It is one of those grounds where you look at the start of a season, you think, mm, well, Bolton, I, 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 taking out the season where there was only you and Jack Dearden there, um, yeah. <laughs> Bolton haven't played at Brisbane Row for a long time. So it is one of those grounds that pop up when you're in League One every now and again. You go, I'm sure Bolton will sell it out. 
because no one's really been there. And, uh, you know, you you do wonder whether in League One there's a bit of a Bolton tax, as saying there'd be a Derby tax as well, I'm sure. And they look at teams like Portsmouth as well, it'll take bigger away followings and, and think, well, well, we'll stick on an extra few quid. I know Accrington did it with Wrexham for policing. <clears throat> you know, we also know that Bolton are in the higher... If Bolton are in the Premier League for anything, it, it will be uh, policing costs, <laughs> the, like the the policing league. Yeah. But um, I shouldn't laugh. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do think there is a bit of a Bolton tax, and uh, it you know you can't blame these teams. I I personally don't think so because if you think about Leighton Orient, who are a League One, League Two team, um, I'm sure most of their income coming in is reliant on bigger sides dropping down into League One. You know, you'd like to think in a few years, um, it'll even it out a bit more. You'd like, because somebody posted the league table for when Bolton and Sheffield United went up from League One in 2016, 17. Um, And some of the clubs in that, it's like, you've, you know, Fleetwood were in the the playoffs and you've got Scunthorpe in the play. You know, it's, there was only really Bolton, Bradford and Sheffield United, the bigger sides. Now you've got twice as many, if not more, ex-Premier League sides that are in this league. So Leighton Orient will make more money because of that. Whereas in a few years, if it all evens itself out and smaller teams drip back down, then they're not going to make that. So they've got to make that money. But I, I think football is for the people. And I think when you're charging, and this goes to Bolton as well, when you're charging 29 quid, you're pricing people out and it's it's not fair really you're forcing people towards streaming and this is this is the big thing if you're going to price the regular joe out to go in and watch him football there's going to be a fallback it'll be streaming and you don't get that back again because if people just fall out of being in the the, the habit of going and watching the team live it will happen it will happen yeah. and and you you follow american sport as, as much as anybody i know it, it happens. You don't get teams getting, you know, home and away crowds. It doesn't really happen. It's 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 a different mindset, and I don't. I would hate that to happen to to football, especially in the lower leagues, where, um, you know, it's it's one of the one of the great things about it. The, the kind of the home and away jostle type of thing. Um, but so yes, that's uh, that is a debate. I'm sure we can pick up at a later date. Now, I'm not going to do a who are you this week because, well, we haven't had any Jays in. That's, that's the bottom line. Nobody has given me any uh, players fascinating facts about players whose surname ends in a, a letter J. So I'm oh, going to come put, on, everyone. Oh, We've got Johansson, Jensen. We've There's got loads, loads of Js. Joneses are plenty. There's absolutely yeah. loads and loads and loads to be going at. I think maybe in the same way as this, the stadium was a little bit quiet on New Year's Day, maybe the buff uh, email account has got a little bit quiet. We've had a couple, <laughs> uh, but... I, I, I like to I like to pick and choose the best ones. So here is how to get in touch. So you want to bring something up on the buff? Email Mark and Henry on the buff mail at gmail.com. That's T H E B U F M A I L, all one word at gmail.com. And sorry to the mail escort who probably getting some unsolicited Bolton Wanderers correspondence from the people who spell that incorrectly. And with that, I'm going to bring you one of the better emails we've had this week. Is that Philip Moresh? Emails, actually. Yes, 
this one's a, a bit of a timeless one, to be honest. We've had it for a couple of weeks, but uh, Kev sent in an email um, saying, uh, Mark and Henry, a quick challenge for you both. Um, he said, I've, I've won the Euro Millions jackpot. Congratulations. And I want to give Ian Everett £5 million to spend on one player in the January transfer window. Uh, you can sign only one player. Um, which position would it be? And do you have any idea which player you'd want? Keep up the good work on the podcast. So, we have five million quid burning a hole in our pocket, Henry. We can only buy once. We have to spend... I assume we also have to consider his wages in this five million. I don't... He's not giving me the parameters, but I assume yeah, we do. No, like, I think transfer money. Let's... Let the 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 board can deal with the wages. We're just dealing with Kev's <laughs> five million. Just going to slap a, a five million player uh, on, on 60 grand a week straight in the middle of the squad. Disregard to, to what that would do to the, the, the wage ceiling at the club or the, the squad harmonics. But um, if you had five million quid, would it go? what would it go on? Uh, I'd, I'd offer it Dion and keep him. Um, <laughs> Dion's agent's but, on the phone now. Yeah, but um, it's a good question because you look at Bolton's squad at the moment, um, I'm, I'm quite happy with a goalkeeper, so I won't really... And, I mean, if Trafford went for 19 million, what's 5 million going to get you for a goalkeeper? Um, Defence is quite solid. Midfield are quite like. Um, I mean, I'm a, you know, we're, we're all football fans and let's face it, it's strikers that we're all interested in. So I'd probably just go for a, just get a five million pound striker as a partner, Dion up front. But then again, I like Adebi Ajo and Bud Varson. So uh, it's a tough one. I, I, I'm going to go striker just for the, yeah, just for the, it, you'll probably get a quick return. If you're buying a five million striker for the League One, you, you're going to get a quick return on it. Your mate, uh, Dara at Peterborough, has got a couple of players for sale. Did Johnson Clark Harris just bang, chuck in a quick one for him? <laughs> I mean, if we, if, if you offer, after him. I couldn't believe that. He, yeah, if you offer five million for uh, Johnson Clark Harris, I think uh, Dara, Dara will be doing uh, cartwheels in his office. But um, yeah, you, you know, I, th I think. I mean, you're then looking at the type of player to to sort of compliment Dion, really. Uh, and, you know, well, we're not going to get into the Clark Harris debate. We've got into that no, before. No, he's not Bolton. Like Bolton, guys. No, but, um, yeah, I'd, I'd go with a striker. Any advances on striker, Mark? Um, no, but it has just occurred to me that you could use that money to just buy one of your opposition, like your rival's best players. <laughs> so yeah. if you just went to Pompey, let's say, and said, "Right, it's five million quid for Paddy Lane or whatever it might be, or, or one of, one of you know, Colby Bishop," it would give on on deadline day as well. You don't you don't do anything until an hour before transfer deadline, so they can't turn yeah. around and invest it again. You splash five million quid on the table and say, "Right, give me Colby Bishop or give me a goalkeeper, or anything it might be, just to dislodge them." That's that's how I would use it. That's, I'd, that's yeah, I'd buy that in the same way we bought Tom Eves because of a, 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 a <laughs> one good friendly appearance. I'd buy that Australian lad who played against us, <laughs> did well for Pompey, and uh, yeah, just going oh, off Yenge, that one yeah. game. Yenge, yeah, actually, to be fair, he looked like a very decent player. I don't think you'd be wasting your money terribly on on that one at all. The other one I could do, and it cheats a bit because it's not a player, but I would just say, right, here we go. Let's get get ourselves down to uh, to to Dave sound systems and say, right, it's 5 million quid. Get us, get us, a, get us a good tannoy. Get us a good tannoy in the system. That'll get us up. That's true. Our, um, I don't know that, um, 
Portsmouth's manager. I'd offer five million for him and just have him, I don't know. Sweeping like, up. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, sweeping up our assistant to uh, to Ted in the kit, oh, kit room. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's a cracking idea. Sorry, sorry John, I, you've been paid well enough. Just uh, can you pick them bibs up, please? <laughs> Right, okay. If you've got any more suggestions about what you spend your family quid on, I gave you the email just a couple of minutes ago. Just rewind. Okay, it's prediction time. Pass us my crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. Yes, so the next time we hit the airwaves... uh, Two of the three uh, games we've been mentioning all the way throughout will have been played. Luton Town in the FA Cup and then Accrington Stanley as Bolton uh, continue their defence of the Papa John's Trophy, which is a lot easier to say. So um, let's start with Luton then. It, it doesn't it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but I do think it's a box that needs ticking. You've said that it's a winnable game, which will be driving Ian Ever absolutely mad, by the way, because actually, <laughs> when you when you look at the difference between Luton, now I, I wrote down a couple of numbers. Um, so so Luton Town in the summer spent twenty two point five million pounds on new players. Um, so if you put that into context, it's more than Bolton have spent in the last twenty years easily. Um, so actually, is it better? Maybe fifteen. Last fifteen. We'll take away. Gary Megson's super splash. Um, so Luton's last wage bill, so they haven't done their accounts for the Premier League year, obviously. So the last wage bill was 14.1 million, which rough estimate I would have said is somewhere near double Bolton's. But that is brilliant, by the way, considering where the championship is. Yeah. You know, 14.1, that's nothing at all. I think it was the fourth lowest wage bill in the championship. Um, I have seen a couple of sites say that it's 3.6 million, which is absolute cack. No, it wasn't. Hmm. So um, no no chance in the world is it 3.6 million. Um, so uh, unofficial, the, the wage bill is around 22 million pounds this year, they say, which is by some distance the lowest in the Premier League. I think Chef U are at about 30 million, which is crazy considering how badly they've done. You know, terrific job done by Mick Harford and all at um, at the recruitment side of things in Luton. Done a terrific job to be where they are. But when you graph that onto what Bolton are spending, what where Bolton have been, it does put into consider context rather. This is not an easy game. No, well, it's not an easy game, but I would say it's a winnable game. Um, Your relentless optimism I, I, frustrates <laughs> me. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think that's because, you know, I, we've seen it before with, um, you know, with Premier League sides facing teams that are doing well in the lower leagues. And, uh, you know, maybe they're, you know, because let's face it, Luton, they could go on a cut run, but realistically, they're not going to win the FA Cup yet. They could survive. Uh, and they're in a very good position, I think, to survive mm. uh, in the Premier League. So I think... Um, you know, they as nice as a cut run would be for them. They've been to Wembley recently as well. I don't think it's necessarily sort of a box that they need to take. So I think if a full strength Bolton team can go and give them a game, um, it's yeah. It, it I would I'd be disappointed if we ended up losing like four five nil. Yeah, yeah. Because I think we're better than that. But I think we can give them a, a closer game. Um, and it's it, again. It, I know it's not on TV here. I think it is abroad, so it's. I guess you are going to a bigger audience, but I think it's. Um, 
it's a great opportunity for us to really show what we're what we're made of and what we can do and um you know i think yeah i just think we can we can go there and get some I, I, it's not necessarily a a game where you would go and think well we can get a draw and a replay because of yeah, I, I wouldn't like the idea of blasting out high hole silver lining because against Luton because I can imagine there will be twelve people at the replay. But um, yeah, it's uh, you know it's uh, it, yeah it's a free hit, isn't it? I just thought it's a free hit, but if Bolton get battered, then it's it becomes a bit of a nightmare. But I think even if Bolton just lose, it's a it's a free hit. It is a free hit for me. It is a free hit, but I do think. Just to have that on on your record, beating the Premier League team would be a would be a big box ticked. Um, I'm going to say, all things considered, it's going to be one nil to Luton. Okay, I I've been very optimistic. Um, I think we I think we can score. I think we'll score. Um, but it might be a. You know what? I'm going to go with. Do you remember we played Palace in that replay when yes. Big Sam was a manager, and we went one nil up and then lost two one. I'm going to go with that. Two one, two one. I think that's the first time we've both ever predicted a Bolton Wanderers defeat on this podcast, and we've been going some time. Um, so yeah, there we go. Prove us wrong, guys. Uh, so a few days after that. It's back to the scene of a joyous semi-final last season. Um, Accrington's Wams. It is still the Wham Stadium. I'm pretty sure of that. Crown Ground, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, I mean, the scenes with Morley and Kachunga scoring at the end last season, it was it was one of the, the best, most enduring images of, of the Cup run last season. Aki got relegated. There's been all sorts of Twitter wars between the manager and the, 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 the owner. It's, it's not really the happiest... Uh, place in the world now but they've they've made it this far and they're not going to roll out the red carpet uh is it if, if the fa cup doesn't matter that much does does the brittle bristol street trophy motors trophy trophy uh worry worry you at all um yeah i, th- I think more so it it's it's funny, isn't it? Because I think if, if Bolton lose people will just be like oh well it was nice but we don't really care but you know yeah if we all want another trip to Wembley and um, you know, how great would it be to defend it and then leave, you know, head into the sunset into the championship um, and not have to retain it. But uh, it's, yeah, Accrington's always going to be a tough place to go. I I know they won, they beat Salford, didn't they, the other day, but I I don't think, you know, they they started quite well and then that sort of Twitter war happened and they've dropped off a little bit. So you'd expect Bolton to win. He'll rotate his squad, but, Six changes is nothing really because it you still got a good team out there, and um, I think this year there's some better quality of teams left in it. You're looking at Derby's and Peterborough's, and um, you know I think Oxford is still in it as well. So quite a few teams at the top of League One, so it's going to be tougher to retain it. So uh, yeah, I think let's let's go for it, and um, you know I hope we can just get a like last year, just a, a, a simple enough performance, simple enough win, and move on. You win two nil. Uh, we'll go three nil this time. Three nil this time. Do you know what? I was just thinking as you were talking there, with all the teams that are still in there, the the big teams in League One, a lot of them are still still in the competition. I would rather go out to Accrington than lose at. I don't think did Wigan did Wigan go out. No, they're still in it. So let's say a Wigan or a Portsmouth or an Oxford or a, some or a Peterborough, somebody who's could take some sort of psychological edge from going out. I mean, Aki 
fair play to them. They don't really register on my radar, even though we cover them on the desk. Uh, they don't really register on my radar from, from a Bolton point of view. If they're going to go out, let it be now. If they don't go out, then let us win the cha- the whole the whole freaking thing. Then because uh, it's it's either or for me. I want to be I want it to be Wembley or go out on Wednesday night. Um, and as that happens, I'm going to do a double defeat. Bolton lose one nil again. Oof, Mark, come on. Nope. You've had some negativity with breakfast. I've had uh, double negativity with skim milk as well because it's New Year. Uh, but yes. It, uh, I just uh, I think the the cup competitions are all well and good. I think out of the two, I would rather beat Accrington and and do what I say and get get to Wembley because they're not going to do it in the FA Cup. Let's face it. But I think in the in the grandest schemes, I can see there being a psychological edge given if Peterborough were knock out in the in the semi finals or the quarter finals or something like that. And and God. I, if it were Wigan, if it were Wigan, I don't think I could handle it anymore. So let's just, it's like a band-aid, just rip it off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it's, well, well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I, I personally, I Wigan it, I don't want to cross as well, by the way. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the other thing, it's horrible. <laughs> um, yeah, I think if we do get knocked out, it will be one of all, it'll be, a, uh, it'll be like a derby away kind of yeah. thing. And, uh, I'd I'd rather if we're gonna not win it, I'd rather get knocked out before Wembley, put it that way. Definitely, definitely. Well, who knows? Listen, I've I've been Mr. Negative in this podcast, but uh, Henry Henry just about keeping the uh, keeping the ship uh, a sail. Um but who knows? Next week could be six wins in a row and we could be uh, singing a happy tune still. Um I, I just think I would rather get into that Cheltenham game and just have no injuries and be able to concentrate freshly on on League One, um, but uh, you'll have to find out what's happened next Friday. No spoilers. Um, <laughs> we can't. Yeah. <laughs> no spoilers because I don't know what's going to happen. But um, yeah, thanks very much for joining us again. Thanks very much for joining us through uh, year two thousand and twenty-three. Where I can re- I can actually reveal more people listened to us last year than in any other year this podcast has been going. So we are officially as strong as we've ever been, um, and we continue on in twenty twenty-four. Hopefully, with some championship football on the horizon, maybe a Wembley. Who knows? Maybe a cup shock. Uh, but uh, it's been fun, hasn't it, Henry? It does, yeah. We will continue. Um, sadly, uh, another Bolton podcast isn't continuing, which I, I do want to point out that yeah. um, is a shame because it's a, uh, it's a crying shame. Is, yeah, as much Bolton content out there is is great for the club, where fan content anyway. And uh, what's happening at the BBC? They are making cuts, but um, yeah, it's sad. So hopefully, yeah. So we just want to mention that with uh, the Wanderer podcast, but we will continue. Um, there's not much budget goes into this podcast anyway for for Bolton News to just cut count, it. Just so. counting the budget, there it is. It's a sixteen air basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we will be here for hopefully promotion in May. Happy days, happy days. Right, uh, I'm just going to go away and count next week's budget. Uh, until then, I've been Mark Isles. I've been Henry Hewitt, and this has been the No Budget Month. <laughs>